bearing up. I'm so grateful and thankful to have with me today, uh, Dylan Bruce. How are you doing, man? Doing good. I'm glad to be here with you today. Um, you know, when I got your uh, message about a month ago that you wanted me to join you for the season, I was like, yeah, I haven't uh, been back there as, as a guest with y'all in a while. So uh, I'm excited to, to be here and, and talk about youth stuff. Um, yeah. Because even though it's something that we've all been through, we've all been teenagers at some time, um, culture changes, man. Um, and, and trying to keep up with that and being able to still reach out to the teens that are currently living um, in this changing culture is a tall task. So Yeah, it is. And, you know, our topic today is, is about speaking the languages of, of the church's youth. And so uh, I, I was very intentional about the person that I wanted to ask to do this. Uh, you've been uh, in youth ministry at Keller, uh, working with the youth there for about three years. So you're kind of established and you're yep. working with them. Uh, how, how large is the congregation there? Uh, the congregation. So I feel like everybody that gets asked this question yeah. has two answers pre and post COVID. Right. right? <laughs> um, so, um, uh, the congregation as a whole, uh, was about 400 before COVID and we're, uh, we'll get about 325 on a regular Sunday morning right now. Yeah. Um, so th that's our, whole congregation the youth group however um we were about 20 kids before covid and now we'll, if we don't have 40 kids in bible class and i'm like why is everyone on vacation <laughs> <laughs> so uh it, it's kind of unique our youth group actually grew during the years of covid um okay. and it's just because the lord's blessed us um we had a ton of people move to this area which uh for folks listening, uh, Keller is located just north of Fort Worth. So in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex in Texas, it's a incredibly quick, it's growing incredibly quickly. Yeah. Um, the population is just through the roof. People are moving to Texas left and right. Um, but that also means Christians are moving to Texas left and right. Yeah. And so we had a ton of people uh, that moved here and placed membership with us during uh, 2020, 2021, and, and even into 2022. Um, and so our youth group really grew and uh, the kids are just taking off with that energy um, and are, are loving it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's good to hear. And and the reason why I wanted to ask about the size of the, the, the congregation, the size of the youth group is because, um, you know, uh, me and you are in very dis different situations. The people that are listening are perhaps in, in very different situations too. Uh, you may have a congregation that is hundreds of people. You may have a congregation that is less than a hundred people. Uh, you may mm -hmm. have a. You may be in a congregation where you know they they can afford to support a, a youth minister and give him you know that job. And you may be in a congregation where you know that's not the case. Uh, uh, and whether you are a you know vocational minister or not, um, this is an important discussion to have for everyone. You know, every member of the church, especially oh, yeah. those who are older, that want want to connect and have relationships uh, with the youth. Um, that's so important. I, I don't know if you heard yeah. this back at Freed, uh, but it there was a quote, there was a statistic or something uh, that um, really like it stuck with me. And it was this idea that if, if, a, if a teenager has five individuals that they look up to spiritually, they have an 80% greater chance of remaining in the church through college and through the rest of their life. Really? I didn't, I didn't hear that. I, I guess that was when one of the classes I didn't make it to, but yeah, that, that's I think interesting. maybe that was Kirk brothers that, that said that, but, uh, but I, yeah. think that, I mean that, that principle, whether that statistic is true now or not, you know, when, 
children have spiritual leaders in their life, people they look up to spiritually, of course, they're going to have a greater foundation going into the rest of their life. So everyone should be yeah. able to kind of speak to others and approach people differently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's like the old saying um, that I've heard almost my entire life that everyone's a minister, um, whether you have the title of um, preaching minister, youth minister, outreach minister, whatever it may be, uh, whether you have that title or not, doesn't determine whether or not you're a minister. We're all called to minister to take care of uh, the Lord's church. Uh, we're yeah. to to minister to the needs of the saints. That's just what it means to be a Christian. Um, and so everybody needs to be able to to minister to the needs of, of all people in the church, yeah. um, whether it be uh, uh, widows and, and generally older folks, um, as James instructs us, or younger people, um, as we see Paul did by example with Titus and Timothy even. So yeah. Absolutely. We, we all need to be able to, uh, to do that. You know, uh, speaking of uh, the vocational um, ministry, um, folks who, who may not be in a situation where their congregation can bring on a, a paid youth minister. Um, I was actually talking with them, some folks last year. Um, I, I organized a youth workers retreat, um, and, and we phrase it that way specifically because it's not just all youth ministers um, that come to to this retreat, but it's for all youth workers, uh, people yeah. who work with with the youth in their congregation. Um, and uh, at this retreat, it's just all about what our topic is today. Um, yeah. How can you build up the the sixth uh, to twelfth graders, or maybe even a little bit? like older than that or younger than that, um, depending on what group you have, but how can you build up the younger generation? How can you encourage and teach and, and connect with the younger generation? And a lot of people that come to that retreat um, are not full-time paid youth ministers, um, but they're still in need for that ability to connect with the teens, to teach the teens, to relate yeah. to them. Right. For, for the sake of unity in the church, for the sake of, mm -hmm. of their future, for the for the sake of our shining lights within the church. Absolutely. All of that is is so important. And so yep. uh, to kind of bolster this idea of the need for this and why we need to do this uh, is the example that we find uh, Jesus uh, doing. He approached people differently depending upon where they were. Maybe in some cases it was their age. He just approached people differently. Uh, so in, in John chapter four, he meets the Samaritan woman, right, at, at Jacob's well. And yeah. he, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting the way that he approaches her because it's not like a, a normal conversation that, that he has with somebody. Yeah. He says, you know, hey, can I have some water? And that's how he yeah. starts. He begins like that, uh, which is really different than. And so he kind of he begins with that. They have sort of a conversation about, you know, the elephant in the room. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And, you know, what is this? And, <laughs> what, what are we doing talking here? <laughs> exactly. And so, but he handles it in such a way with compassion and with love. And, and he does so with understanding. You know, I, I know what you've been through. And I know that, you know, the one you're with is, is not your husband. And you've had five husbands. And so I know what you've done. And, and I know what you're looking for. You know, I, I'm him. Mm -hmm. And so he eventually leads into that idea, but he just approaches her in a very unique way. So, yeah, uh, uh, one of the things I find interesting about that, um, that account is that uh, as Jesus is talking with her, telling her about her whole life, just 
showing her that, hey, I, I do know you, um, even though you don't think I do, I, I know you. Um, her response is that that people still give today. It's kind of like, oh, you're a, a man of God. It's like, I, I perceive that you're a prophet, right? Um, mm -hmm. I've actually gotten that a couple of times when I start talking with people and they're like, really? where do you work? Well, I, I'm a youth minister at uh, Keller Church of Christ. And they're like, oh, like, it's almost like a, you're a, a man of God. I've got a spiritual question for you. Because uh, that's yeah. what this Samaritan woman does is she goes, oh, you are a religious individual. You are a, a man of God. You are a, quote, prophet. Um, so I've got a religious question for you that maybe you can answer for me. People still do that today. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, you know the Bible. You work in the church. You are a, quote, man of God. I've got a religious question for you. And so yeah. One of the things I've heard ministers uh, say a whole lot, um, and this is kind of going off topic, I'm sorry, but um, right. but as far as uh, evangelism goes and outreach goes is, you know, my circle is the church. I don't yeah. have super strong friendships with people that aren't already Christians. And so when it comes to evangelizing at, at work, in our families, it's like, well, they're all already Christians. How, yeah. how am I as a minister supposed to evangelize when I work around Christians? Um but that's the thing is, is when you put yourself out there and, uh, and lead with, this is who I am. This is my life. I am a, uh, a follower of Christ. Um, then people will oftentimes respond to that. Oh, I've, I've got a question for you. And it opens up the door. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of my best sort of outreaching stuff has been when I'm getting my hair cut because they always ask you, well, what, yes. what do you do? It's like, oh, well, exactly. And, and then they just, sometimes they just, you know, well, I'm going through this and going through this. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, he approaches her in, in one way. A, another example of, of Jesus kind of approaching an individual in a very unique way is the synagogue ruler, Jairus. And he has a daughter and she dies. And Mark 5 uh, is one of, there's two passages one from Luke and one from Mark and, and Mark's actually, you know, lays out a longer phrase that Jesus uses to, uh, you know, raise her from the dead. And he says, little girl arise. Like it's, it's the way that he kind of does. So is this, you can sort of kind of get this tender, compassionate view of, yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about this and it was kind of like, you know, the kind of, thing that a parent would say you know waking up a child in the morning you know yeah, yeah he doesn't he doesn't say get up you know <laughs> yeah he, doesn't he doesn't come and shake her out of bed or, or flip the light on you know <laughs> yeah i mean with lazarus it's very different raising from the dead he says lazarus come out you know yeah and, and with her it's little girl arise you know it's so it's yeah. just the way that he approaches uh, hers is different and then one other one is yeah. um uh, the way that he approached pharisees right and, mm. and matthew chapter 23 yeah, is, is one of those <laughs> yeah it's one of those places uh and uh but he approaches them in a very different way too knowing their sin and knowing that you know their hypocrisy and so he approaches them in a different way uh these are just some examples and there's many more where we can find Jesus approaching people differently based on their situation. Maybe it's their age. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe you have more to say about those or some other examples, but I'd like for us to consider um, a great principle 
for church relationships that we can find in First uh, Timothy chapter five verses one and two. And turn in there. Do you have any other examples or anything you wanted to say about um, her you, or the Pharisees? you know uh, all of these examples uh, that you're bringing up as far as the way that Jesus uh, uh, approached people, the way that Jesus treated people is each one of them was to their own needs. Um, how each individual needed to be approached. Because if Jesus approaches the Pharisees in the same way that he does Jairus' daughter, you know, well, you know, <laughs> Pharisees, I don't think y'all are doing right. I, I, woe to you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not <laughs> going to, to cause them to change anything. That, that's not going to cause them even to think any further. It's not going to cause all the people that are around either to say, this man teaches with authority. This man is is astonishing in the way that he is is teaching and addressing people, because uh, that's one of the things that I'm fascinated by when uh, yeah. when you're reading Jesus's conversations with with certain individuals is the crowd's reaction. Uh, every time the crowd is like, "Wow, who is this guy? This is so cool!" And it's not always the uh, the same manner in which Jesus is talking that astonishes them. It's a a he he changes. Um, the way that he addresses people based on who he's addressing. And every time it's like, wow, he did it again. You know, the crowd is, is astonished each time. Um, and so it reminds me actually of uh, 1 Corinthians set, uh, sorry, First Corinthians 9, um, when Paul's talking about becoming all things to all people. Yeah. Um, that he's, he's trying to, to reach people where they are so that he might just win one. That, that's all that he's seeking is I, I just want to win one. But in order to do so, I've got to reach people where they are, every single person. And it's not changing the message. It's not changing the doctrine that is being taught, but it's changing the manner in which you're addressing people so that you can connect with people on a, a deeper level. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that phrase is key. Meet them where they are. Uh, one other mm -hmm. one that just popped in my head is, you know, the men of Athens, where where Paul yeah. is like, hey, you know, I, I perceive that you're very religious you know because you you have all of these idols and it's like wow you guys are very religious uh and as we were going you know i saw this you guys know it's there because it's there it's in your midst and and yep. that's the god i'm going to tell you about uh and so again yep. that's another example but uh first timothy chapter five verses one and two says do not sharply rebuke an older man but rather appeal to him as a father to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Right. The the whole point that I just want to make with this is to remember that we are the family of God. You know, with older <laughs> members, we need to you know treat them with the respect that we would a parent, and with younger members, you know, we can um, you know. I think sometimes we can view younger members as younger brothers, younger sisters, but I think also we can view them as our own children too especially those really yeah. younger ones you know we we try to encourage uh maybe we leave the disciplining to their own parents uh but we yeah. we still try to you know have a sort of relationship like paul and timothy have you know they were different yeah. um you know different people timothy wasn't a physical son of of um paul but he still had had that sort of relationship with him. And those sort of mentor relationships yep. are important in the church. We've got to remember that we are the family of God. And so we need to regard each other as such. Yeah. You know, uh, a description that I've used in the past, and, and I honestly think um, 
that it, our relationship should be stronger than this. Um, but just to, to give people an example, um, I've often described the church as, as though we need to to view people more as a family and less as as acquaintances, less as, as just friendships yeah. that we have in church. Um, and that even goes to the people that are outside your immediate friend circle, because it's really easy to go to your best friend that you sit next to in the pew and say, yeah, that's my brother. Of course, that's my brother. His wife's my sister, you know, like, like we are family. Uh, but it's more than that. It's the uh, guy that sits on the other side of the auditorium that you don't really have a strong relationship with. That's not some random weird guy. That's a, and a phrase that I've used to help think of it in a, a family sense is that's like your uncle. The kid that's yeah. crying in church and, and and yelling and screaming and you can't get to be quiet isn't an annoying little kid in church. That's your younger cousin. Um, and so yeah. I've used that example in order to get people to think in the, the family mindset that it's a big family reunion every time we come together. But it's even more than just uncles and cousins. Absolutely. It's brothers and sisters. That guy that's sitting over there, that's your brother. That mm -hmm. kid that's crying, that's your future sister when they grow up and decide to become a, a, a part of the family of God. Um, and so it, it is this big family, um, not just, you know, uh, acquaintances that we have here and there. Yeah. You know, we want to go to heaven with these people uh, and we don't, we don't really know them from Adam. And so how yeah. can we have this attitude that's like, yeah, I want to go to heaven with them, but I don't really want to, you know, take the time to get to know them. Uh, yep. So let's go ahead and we're going to jump into uh, focusing on younger children uh, to, to begin with. I'd say maybe this is like uh, before they're really in like the youth group. Yeah, uh, elementary. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'd say the person you really need for that is actually my wife. Um, she is a, oh, yeah. a preschool teacher and is able to connect with with preschool kids and elementary kids way better than I could ever dream to connect with, but I can definitely speak to, uh, to what she does and, and watching her example. So, <laughs> yeah, well, we, we kind of are, are in a unique, uh, situation here in Moultrie. We've got several young adults that are like out of school. Uh, we've got, uh, I think we've got two high schoolers. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, a couple in that middle school age, but most of our youth here is between five and 12. Like most of our youth okay. is that. Uh, and so uh, I have, I spend a lot of time working with them. Uh, and yeah. I think one, one person that does a really good job of actually talking about speaking the language of children is Glenn Colley. Uh, and he does a program called Kids Sing. You can look up Kids Sing, um, about, and it's Glenn Colley, and he does like a presentation of what this is. We do this here in Moultrie. We call it something different, uh, mm -hmm. but we kind of do the same thing. And he talks about speaking the language of children. Uh, and those young kids, like they think a lot differently than adults do. Their attention span is a lot smaller. Um, and so the way that you approach them is going to be a lot different. Like if I if I had a group yeah. and it was just like, I don't know, five to 11 year olds and I just had them all sit down and I stood behind a pulpit and I just kind of gave a 20 minute sermon to them. Yeah. It just, and then it, if any of you want to respond, go ahead and come forward. 
<laughs> yeah i mean it just they, they wouldn't connect you know they would probably yeah. be jumping running around and poking each other and you know like the mm -hmm. whole thing will just become a big behavioral thing stop doing that be quiet you know all this stuff because yep. you're not approaching them it's not that the kids are doing anything wrong necessarily we might say well they're not behaving like they should but we're not approaching them in the way that we should and i think that's sometimes yep. the the problem that we have uh when we when we try to approach them we think that they're supposed to be more mature than they are uh but we have to to get on their level so uh mm -hmm. something that's important for for young children young children's bible class if you're doing a youth thing with them is you want to have short tasks short activities you want to move between them uh you know at a fairly quick rate um yeah. and you're going to try and teach in many different ways so like for yeah. instance um you know one of the things that you know you can do is you you have a song uh you involve them in, in prayer you uh do a coloring sheet you act out the activity you know you tell the story use puppets use felt <laughs> felt boards yeah. <laughs> um yeah. you know you use, i think that's when when we were kids but yeah they, they have some people still use them yeah uh, oh really okay so but i mean you move between those those things and you know kids today you pull out a felt board and they're like whoa i've never this is new technology yeah. to me you know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. i mean but they're, yeah. that's cool because they can put it on there and you know you can involve them that's a big part of it too is yeah. you know well and go ahead. i was gonna say that's the way we structure our vbs too um yeah. is uh we have so many different stations for all the kids to rotate through and they're not at any given station for longer than 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, and it's, whether it's doing a craft, um, uh, do, playing some games, doing uh, story time or, or even snack time, because um, you have to include that too. <laughs> but um, yeah. but all, all of these different stations um, in order to help keep their attention. So when they leave the the, the evening that you, you have them or, or leave the, the day that you have uh, with them, they don't re remember it as though being you know, I was kind of bored this entire time because yeah. even elementary kids, um, they will reflect back on their experiences. Um, sometimes it's difficult to remember back to when we were elementary kids, like how much did I actually remember? How much was I actually absorbing? Um, but you absorbed way more than you realize and you mm -hmm. reflected back on your experiences way more than, than you, you realize sometimes it's even just subconscious. Um, yeah, it is real. They do. They they listen. They listen, and they they can oh, yeah. remember uh, so well. Uh, I think the the most important thing is like when they're when they're really young, they they really just need to be excited to be there for one. Yes. And I don't think that I mean saying that we don't sacrifice Bible teaching. We still tell the story, but we can do so in a way that you know again meets them on their level. And some people say, well. You know, using puppets and stuff, that's a little juvenile. And I'm like, well, who's the audience? <laughs> you know, they're yeah. juveniles. I mean, so uh, another thing that's important is if you're going to teach young children, you have to have a lot of energy. You've got to have yeah. movement. You've got to engage. you got to get them participating. Uh, it, well, and, and that goes to the excitement, too, uh, yeah. is not only making uh, the story exciting. Well, and also back to that, it's not us that makes the story exciting. If anything, we're the ones that make it boring. You know, you read yeah. about uh, Elijah up on Mount Carmel and there's fire coming down from heaven that soaks up all of the water around this altar. If you teach that and it's boring, I think it's probably the teacher that's boring, not the yeah. message. Absolutely. Um, so 
so anyways, as far as making it exciting, that's just not getting in the way of the amazing things that we find in scripture, getting in the way of like, like if you tell the story of Jesus and any kid walks away and they're like, she seems like a, a regular teacher. Like he's not really that interesting. I'm like, Oh man, we missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we messed that up. Um, but then also as far as being energized, uh, exciting, uh, just to, to be there even outside of telling this, the, uh, the story and uh, and sharing with them this beautiful message, you just have to have a, this uh, beautifully positive and, and exciting energy. Um, yeah. And that thing is, that's fed off of uh, so much. Um, and that's not even just little kids, that's teenagers and adults as well. will feed off of that energy. Yeah. And you're going to be silly. You're going to be silly uh, oh, you know, yeah. with, with little kids. And, and that silliness, it, it can be helpful for that engaging if it's, you know, sometimes it, it, it isn't done correctly and it just riles them up and then they just can't. So it has <laughs> yeah. to be measured. It has to be practiced. Um, yep. One of the things that we do, again, is this kids sing program. Uh, they are given a card and those cards have like a place in the Bible and a theme. So we just started this past Sunday. We started our Romans card. So for every chapter in okay. the book of Romans, they're learning a theme from that chapter. And That's so awesome. I have to I have to say like Romans one and then they have to answer me. They have to know what the right answer is. But in That's trying awesome. to kind of keep them involved, I, I, you know, try to speak to them with that energy and that silliness a little bit. So I'll say Romans one and they have to say it yeah. back to me real low, you know, or I'll say yeah. it really fast and they have to say it fast and I'll slow it down. Yeah. They have, so like. In that way, it kind of keeps them engaged and they're learning at the same time. And they're, you know, even yep. even memorizing, you know, it's I've done this for years and it's amazing how, you know, you can have a book that's like John and there's 22 chapters and you have, you know, kids as young as, you know, eight and nine and even younger that know the main themes for every chapter in the book of John. And it's just because oh, of the yeah. way that we've done it. It's the repetition. Um you know, and so they're uh, little sponges. They soak they up so much more than you even realize. And it's a matter of making sure that they're soaking up this and not soaking up things that they are getting from bad examples at school, quite honestly. Um, yeah. Making sure they're not soaking up the world. Absolutely. Um, another great point to make about, you know, teaching younger children and speaking their language is, you know, we want we want to actually speak. Maybe we don't want to speak exactly how they do, but we want to speak in a way that they can understand. So, yep. you know, I'm not going to talk about propitiation uh, to a yep. group of, you know, third graders. Uh, yep. I, I'm not going to talk when about you're, that. When you're preparing for uh, for kids sing or for VBS, you can leave the thesaurus on the bookshelf. <laughs> you don't need to pull that out. <laughs> uh, keep it simple. Um, and yeah. and that's the incredible thing about this message also, is that it can be uh, understood. We can wrap our mind around um, the, the stories that we get in the Old Testament. Now, we can wrap our mind around um, the, the beautiful gospel um, without having to have a doctorate in any sort of biblical studies. It, it doesn't take a, a super smart theologian to be able to understand God's love letter to humanity. He wrote it for 
anybody who picks it up to be able to to understand and to believe. I mean, John says that at the end of his gospel. I wrote this so that anybody who picks it up may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so if somebody has the ability to read, which eight to nine-year-olds have the ability to read, they can pick it up and begin to understand who God is, who Jesus is, and, and what his will is for them, even at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that um, I ask the kids here is, what is the gospel? And they have to answer back, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. And that's, I mean, awesome. and we talked about what that word means. I mean, you don't have to use the word resurrection. You can say, yeah. raised from the dead, you know, and it's yeah. the same thing, you know, it's, but uh, we, we talked about that word and what that means. And, you know, really kind of, you know, it's, he, he rose, he died on the cross. Yeah. He was buried just like anyone else, you know, who dies is buried, but then he rose from the dead. And that's the good news about Jesus, uh, you yeah. know, that we need to you know, as, as young as, as possible, you know, we should be sharing the, the message of uh, Jesus. Well, and it's really cool when you see it kind of click in their minds when it's followed up with songs, too. Because then we sing, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus died for all the children. Jesus rose for all the children. Jesus lives for all the children with each of these verses. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, I was taught that. And now I'm singing that. And like, no wonder we sing all yeah. those verses to that song. <laughs> right. So, and when they do get older, you know, there's not a huge, you know, we don't have to teach them what you're supposed to do. Another thing that mm -hmm. we do is, um, you know, we sing a song, uh, hear, repent, or hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. And so oh, I don't and, know that one. Yeah. It's just this little song, uh, hear, believe, yeah. repent, confess, be baptized, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized and live faithfully. So they're hearing that as young as oh, three years old. I like that. And so when it is finally time for, for them to say, I want to become a Christian, they already know what to do. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we can be we can be teaching them and teaching them in those ways and, and exciting and, and singing and, uh, you know, the crafts and all that stuff. You know, that's appropriate. That is appropriate for that age. Um, mm -hmm. And so. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to, I'm going to sort of hand it over to you, Dylan. Uh, and you right. can kind of take the lead here with, uh, as we talk about teens, uh, of course, I'll probably have some things to interject with too, but uh, let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break and we'll jump back into it. Guys, we thank you so much for watching or listening today. Uh, I want to encourage you to please uh, like, subscribe, uh, follow, do all those things on social media. Uh, we can be seen on Rumble and Facebook and YouTube. That's where you can watch the show. You can also listen to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And one of the very best places that you can listen to Bearing Up is on the Ministry League app. Uh, the Ministry League is a wonderful league of, of Christians uh, that provide a lot of free resources. Uh, and another great podcast you can listen to on there is Bible Conversations, uh, which Dylan is one of the hosts for that. So check out his podcast there. Check out lots of other wonderful Christian podcasts. It's one of my favorite little apps to go to because uh, I have been so encouraged uh, by the resources that they have there. Check out the Ministry League app or their website, ministryleague.com. Uh, and with all of that said, I just want to thank you again for tuning in uh for watching or listening today let's jump back into our conversation okay so uh moving up in age uh we are 
going to discuss, you know, those teenage years and, and trying to approach teens, speaking them and speaking, speaking to them and speaking their language. So Dylan, yeah, I'm going to hand it over to you. All right. Um, so I, I actually, I have this kind of conversation a lot um, with uh, different folks uh, trying to, to figure out, you know, how, how do we work with our teens, which I kind of find interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just 24 years old myself. So I'm, it's not like I've got 30 years of experience working with youth or anything like that. Um, but uh, I find myself having this conversation a lot as far as like, like, how do we balance the, the play time, the service time, the spiritual growth time? How do we um, make the most of every opportunity? Um, but also like, how do I even connect with my teens in order to have those times uh, together? Um, so I'll say first and foremost, the most important time that you have with teenagers, especially these six through 12th graders that we're talking about now is that spiritual growth time is that time where you, where you open up the word of God, where you, sit down and have a, a, a in-depth spiritual conversation with them because that time is the most, the most important because they're actually at a point in their lives. They can be able to wrap their mind around the word of God at a deeper level than children can. I mean, we were giving children their props just a minute ago, as far as their little sponges, they soak up so much. Um, but let's be honest, what, when they become teenagers, um, they're able to understand just so much more. Uh, yep. You see things start to click. They begin to ask questions that go along with what we're talking about rather than just a, okay, like li listening to it sounds good. Um, and so that makes the, the spiritual growth time um, where you're actually digging into the word of God. You're having spiritual conversations. That is the most important time that we can spend with our teens. And the sad thing is, is uh, as a youth minister, I don't even get to to be the, the front line of defense for that. I, I I don't get to to be the the main person. That's the parents. Um, when yeah. you really start to think about it, um, I'd have to do the math, but I don't remember how many hours are in a week. Twenty four times seven, whatever that is, uh, <laughs> it's like one hundred sixty something, I think. Um, um, but out of those one hundred sixty something hours. I get three a week. That's, that's all I get. I, I have a Bible class with them on uh, Sunday morning, Bible class with them Wednesday night, um, maybe a Devo Sunday night. We do Devos every other week. Um, and then just the, I, I kind of combine half an hour from both worship services Sunday morning and Sunday night, because I'm around different kids where we're sitting um, and also just a little bit of fellowship time afterwards. But when you really start to total it up, it's like, wow, I, I don't have that much time to to really dig into the word of God, to really have deep spiritual conversations with them. So I say all of that to say, that's the most important thing. But in order to make the most of that very little bit of time that we have, we have to build relationships with them. So yeah. that when it comes time to have those spiritual conversations, when it comes time to dig deeper into the word of God, they're not skeptical about what you're trying to share with them. They're, they're not questioning one, you or the book that you're sharing with them, because if they don't know you and you introduce a, a, a book to them, the, the Bible, then they'll say, because I don't trust you, I'm therefore not going to trust everything the Bible says necessarily. Um, it's kind of the, the chain of, of, 
of thought process that, that goes through there. And so you have to build relationships with the kids. And then that goes all the way back to what we started talking about is, um, is addressing people and, and, and meeting people where they're at, because the way that I'm going to address sixth grader is far different from the way that I'm going to address and connect with a, a 12th grader. Um, yeah. but not only that is, is even kids within the same age, the same grade, they have far different interests. The way I'm going to connect with a ninth grader who plays football is going to be very different than the way I connect with uh, one of our ninth grade girls who's in band. <laughs> They're completely yeah. different people. But I've got to be able to uh, address them and build a relationship with both of them and connecting with them, meeting them where they're at. So then when they get back to Bible class the next week or the next month or as our relationship progresses and I say, check out what it says right here, they're not going to say, I don't know this guy. I don't trust this guy. Instead, they're going to yeah. say, okay, I've built this relationship. Dylan is a trustworthy individual and I want to see what he's trying to share with me. And then all of a sudden they're digging into this. You know, I've heard a a comment as far as um, a lot of people leave the church because of the church's hypocrisy, because of um, individuals in the church not being Christ-like, not living Christ-like. And the response to that is Peter and James and John didn't uh, didn't leave because of Judas's actions. And that's completely true. Peter, James, and John didn't leave because of Judas's actions. But we still have people today that it makes it more difficult for them to dig into the word of God based on our actions. People shouldn't leave the church. People shouldn't close the Bible based on what another individual has done. But let's be honest, the, the way that people act, um, and this is all ages again, um, really has a, the way that we treat one another really has a determination on um, the value of the, the words that come out of their mouth. Your actions uh, speak louder than words, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Paul even talks to that when he's talking to the church in Corinth that, that don't be a, a stumbling block. If uh, you have a brother who thinks, you know, we shouldn't be eating this meat that's sacrificed to idols, essentially be the bigger person and say, yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, yeah. Treat each other right so that you can dig into the word of God more. Um, Cause you have to have that relationship first. Um, yeah. Before you, you really start to have conversation. That is absolutely key. You know, um, I think somebody said this at the at the lectures we went to pretty recently, and it was this. Uh, he was talking about how like they're not going to listen to you unless you have a relationship with them. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I yeah. think that you know there are, I guess one approach that we can do this. And uh, actually, before I get into that approach. Um, uh, another group of people or another way that kind of shows that they're different uh, in their, in their spiritual uh, lives is I, I found that teenagers, young people are often the best evangelists in the church because they, they oh, bring their friends. Yes. Yeah. And so they've got people, you've got people that are like in the youth group that have been there their whole life. Uh, and you've got, you know, some parents, you know, may, you know, have devotional with, you know, their kids, uh, like every night or a couple times a week or something like that. You know, some of them maybe have grown up in the church. They didn't have that at home. And then you've got people that, you know, they're 16 years old and it's the first time they've ever been to church, you know? And mm -hmm. so you're going to be approaching them differently in those ways. Uh, yeah. The approach that I was kind of alluding to just a second ago was, um, 
one way that you can kind of build those relationships is to have events that are geared for the level of commitment that those those kids have. So like maybe you just yep. have some fun events like you go to Six Flags, you know, you go to, yeah. you know, you do little things like that. You have a day in the park, you you do water balloons, you do, uh, you know, you go to a movie. And those are sort of introductory. We're getting you into the group. You know, those, those yep. you know, if you want to invite your friends, this is a great thing to do. Everybody's invited to it. But these are, you know, where, you know, it's sort of introductory. This is just a fun thing to build relationships. And a lot of people say, well, let's not waste time doing that. Let's not, why do they need to go on a trip? Why do they need to do something? That, I mean, there's not a devotional here. You know, you're not, you're not spending time, you know, you're not focusing on prayer. You're not asking them, you know, questions. Maybe you can still ask questions, you know, on the side, informal, you know, as you get to know mm -hmm. people and things like that. Yeah. But there, there should be a time. And oftentimes, where... those are the best opportunities to really build relationships. Is the informal one-on-one yeah. -on -one over to the side while the entire group is having fun. Yeah, and so you have things like that, and then you have other events where you know you're you sort of want to bring in those people, and you have short, short little devotionals and maybe some other little fun thing too. Um, only for those that are really, really committed. Can you really say, hey, let's gather together and let's just study the Bible? Because there's a lot of teenagers that are like, mm, that doesn't sound like fun to me. You know, but there are others that are mature, more mature in their faith. And they say, yes, I want to do that. You know, I want to I want to take yeah. extra time to study God's word. Uh, and so yeah. maybe one of the ways that we kind of approach uh, teenagers is just to kind of keep their level of their level of maturity their level of spiritual maturity, um, kind of gauge, all right, what, what things will work well with them. And in the approach, you know, even for those that are really committed as teenagers, they're probably not going to be as responsive to a sermon. Uh, they might, but when it's, you know, you and, and the teenagers, um, you use that time for discussion, right? You could teach the Bible and ask questions about it. And when they're more engaged in that way, you know, I mean, I have you think about, you know, I teach adult Bible classes. And so I think sometimes those adult Bible classes, they get more out of that than they do in the sermon because we have discussion. Um, yeah. And so well, and really I, that kind of that goes too. to, to, that goes to learning styles because um, yeah. everybody has a different learning style. Uh, some people are, are just auditory listen, like auditory learners. They just want to listen to it. It's the people that can pl plug a, an audio book into their ears while they're working on other things. And they soak up every single word because they absorb everything through their ears. Those are mm -hmm. the kind of people that like lectures. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> While I was at Freed, I could not stand sitting in class and my professor not asking questions. Like if I just had to listen to the professor for an hour straight, I'm like, I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah, that's um, tough. But then other other people are visual learners. Got to have a PowerPoint in front of them. They need a handout in front of them or they need something to put their eyes on. It's the people who are like, if I don't come to class with my Bible, then I'm not learning anything. I can't just hear it read. I have to read it myself. 
Um, and then there's people that are hands-on, that they've got to be be doing something, whether it's taking notes or uh, whether it's for, for teenagers or even little kids, some kind of activity, um, uh, so, which is why we do crafts in little kids' classes all the time is because um, there's so many different learning styles when you get them hands-on. And so um, even adults, every people of all ages have different learning styles. And so you have to, to, to mix it up. Um, you can't just stick to one thing because you have multiple learning styles within your, within your group. And, um, and you have to be able to reach people uh, through, through different ways. Yeah, you can really switch it up, you know, as opposed to, you know, teaching adults, uh, you might want to find, you know, a little video or something that maybe summarizes a parable or, you know, a situation. Uh, there's some great stuff online, you know, but they may they can kind of visualize it. Uh, you might you might take a little uh, clip from, you know, The Chosen or you might take a little clip, uh, a little cartoon that, you know, is, is Jesus and the disciples, you know, on the boat and they're, you know, it's crashing and there's thunder sounds and all that stuff. And, and again, we may think that's a little juvenile, but, you know, teenagers, they aren't at the maturity level as, as some adults and, you know, adults may find that stuff fun too, but like, um, you know, it's, it's just being aware, looking, maybe testing out and seeing what is, how they respond you know, if you're just getting into youth ministry or you're just, you know, you know I want to work with the church's youth, um, you know, figure out the things that they respond to, you know, build on the things that they are responsive to uh, and maybe cut out the things that you notice. Mm, they're not really responding to this very well. Uh, it's, yeah. it's about learning the language you, in order to speak it. You got to mm -hmm. learn it. You have to learn how to speak. You have to learn it before you speak it. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to one of the things that you said a little bit ago um, about uh, the difference between uh, kids who, who have grown up and, and have home Bible studies every single week versus maybe a 16-year-old that's coming to uh, an activity with the youth group for the first time. Um, as far as that kid that has grown up, uh, have, you can tell they've had home Bible studies their whole life. Um, I want to talk to all of the parents that are listening to this parents, your teacher, the teachers of your kids, the youth ministers of your kids, not only in school, but in church can tell if you work with your kids. Um, yeah. Even my wife is a, a preschool teacher with four-year-olds and she can tell which four-year-olds have their parents at home going over the same type of learning their ABCs, learning their colors and shapes and numbers um, versus the ones that don't get that work at home. And it's even more evident when your kids get older, when they get into high school, I'm just being honest. I can tell which kids have parents who study the Bible with them at home versus yeah. which parents treat church as this is the, the time where you get to study the Bible. That's one of the most disappointing things is, especially in our culture today, um, people have, have seen, have treated church as just one of the other activities that I pay to get my kid accomplished. I pay a tutor so my kid is getting good grades. I pay a, a coach or a trainer so that my kid can excel in athletics. I pay a music coach. I pay a, a vocal coach so my kid can learn how to sing. I pay a youth minister so my kid can learn about the Bible. And that's not the way it should be. Um, when you treat it like that and, and don't treat this as the number one thing every single day of the week, um, it does more harm. Um, and, and your kid will reflect back on that and think, 
if it was really that important as the preacher says it is, then we would be doing it more. So maybe the preacher's not right. So yeah. um, I, I just want to give that advice to Rant. to any parent <laughs> that may be listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean it's it's true, you know. Um, you know the uh, you know your children are going to be a reflection of of you, uh, and so if, oh, yeah. if prayer is important to you, then prayer is going to be important to them. Uh, mm-hmm. If studying the Bible is important to you, they're going to see that, and and they're going to say, okay, you know, this is really important to them. Um, yep. You know, if I don't know, we could we could talk about parenting all day. Uh, <laughs> But, <laughs> that's not again the purpose I, I, I chased another rabbit i'm sorry <laughs> no but i mean it it's important uh i i never finished the book but uh there's there's this idea and i really like the idea it's a book called think orange and it's this idea that the parents represent red and the church represents yellow uh and mm-hmm. you've got two different influences two major influences on the spiritual life of of children uh, yes we'll say the parents are the primary spiritual leaders in the in the children's life but they're not the only ones and so if parents and the church can work together there you got orange right you 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 yeah. you work together you're on the same page you know you're giving maybe you give homework assignments to the parents you know or the parents say all right you know this is an important you know, quality or characteristic or something that we're struggling with uh, at home. And, you know, this needs to be, you know, sort of addressed and they need to hear it from somebody else, <laughs> you know, besides yeah. just us. Um, you know, maybe like at home, we talk about why doing things this way is important. Well, they need to hear that from another source that they trust. This is a spiritual source. Um, but again, it's a source that they trust. You have to yeah. build that relationship with them in order for them to trust you. Absolutely. And and sometimes parents think, and I think maybe this is the reason why parents give the job to the youth ministers in the church. So they feel like, well, my children don't listen to me, but they'll listen to the youth minister. The youth minister's cool. The youth minister, you know, he, he can get on their level. You know, he's fun and, and and things like that. And so they kind of put it in his hands. But if they work together, uh, you know, we can understand the kids more and we can, you know, be a unified voice uh, yep. for them and, and their mature, you know, in, in, in growing their, their faith. Um, yeah. So I, I just had a couple resources I wanted to share. Was there anything that you... Um, wanted to add i just i want to comment one more thing about what you said about the teens uh being one of the best evangelists some of the best evangelists in the church um because you think about it adults um you, you get into a career um when you become an adult and you're working around the same people every day for years your relationships don't change if you've invited the your coworker to church then you're most likely not going to get another new coworker for years. The teenagers though, they're meeting new people literally every single day. Their high schools are filled with people that they see brand new. And then every single year, there's a brand new class of kids that comes in. Um, if you're in here in Keller, it's a thousand kids in their high school that's coming in in the freshman yeah. class. And so it's 
a brand new batch of people that you could be building relationships with and reaching out to. So I tell the teens um, that they have the potential to be the best evangelist in the church with the understanding, though, that they don't know everything yet, with the understanding that that they're not yet fully equipped. Um, I say this generically. There are some that are fully equipped, but um, for the most part, they're not yet fully equipped to sit down and say, with their friend, let's crack open the Bible, let's study, let's get you to become a Christian, right? Um, And so that's where the parents, the youth minister, the youth workers, um, any mentor that wants to invest in the young people, that's where you have to step in and say, you've got the connections, I've got the the tools, the, the knowledge, let's put this together. Um, yeah. and, and I always tell people that, um, that I always tell our teens, when you bring a friend to church, that's not the end game. The end game is their family because a lot of teens don't go anywhere without their parents' approval. And so even if you do invite a friend to church, the end game is the entire family, not just that one teenager. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about this, this idea of evangelism, um they're going to evangelize they're going to tell people to come and see when they're excited about where they are and that 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 goes for mm-hmm. everybody not just yeah. teenagers you know if if there are adults 20 20 to 60 or older years old you know they're going to talk about it to people mm-hmm. when they're excited about where they are when when they're grateful and thankful about where they are um, and so the way I describe it is an excitement that says, I want my friends in exactly. the world to meet my family. When, when you buy into the idea that mm-hmm. I need my friends to meet my family, my church family, that is, then it changes the way we think about evangelism. I want my, yeah. my friends to actually meet my family, to meet my brothers and sisters, to meet my heavenly father. Yeah. And, and, speaking to their their level of you know being equipped to to share god's word you know andrew is a great example you know he told peter to just come and see and and that may be where they're at you know come and see you know all the stuff that we're doing you know come you know come to this event that we're having we're just doing a fun thing here uh and you know I, i mean that that really can be like the way that we you know, sort of encourage them. You don't have to know everything. And, and again, this is a tool for everybody. You know, if you feel like you're not mm-hmm. equipped to sit down and have a one-on-one Bible study, make it your mantra to, you know, come and see, you know, we, yeah. you know, we're doing this and we've got this going on and, and we're excited. You about don't it. necessarily have to teach them, just bring them. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I feel like that's what, when Jesus sent out the 70, like, I don't know how much they were really teaching. They just came mm-hmm. to, you know, the kingdom of heaven is here. You know, you need yeah. to repent. And, you know, yep. I'm going to tell you about this guy, Jesus. And here's some of the stuff I saw him do, you know, and mm-hmm. and we can do the same. And you know, our youth can do the same. I've, I've seen Jesus, you know, he changed my life because I felt like I was living in sin and and I needed to be forgiven. And I have so much joy and so much thankfulness now. You know, they don't have to quote the, the scriptures. They just, you know, tell about their experience. And uh, so, but, uh, there's a couple of resources uh, that I wanted to share. Uh, Mount Juliet Church of Christ in Tennessee has a phenomenal youth program. Uh, and so I just kind of wanted to share a couple. I just wanted to share a couple of resources from them. Uh, and if you have others, 
um, Dylan, if you want to share, uh, I'll give you a chance to do that. Um, all right. So this, this page right here, this is Mount Juliet youth groups website. Uh, and I wanted to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about this, um, intentional grounding. All right. So basically it's this idea that there are different ways that you can, um, you know, develop spiritual growth, uh, in you know in 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 the youth uh and so they say you know everything that we do has to do with one of these things but i think they could kind of look at this and say well maybe this is a good way to you know kind of go about levels of commitment so like the mm -hmm. first thing is you know we want you to attend bible class and worship every sunday and wednesday you know we just want you present uh yep. and then you kind of move into connect uh, you know, we want to connect with you at least connect with at least seven people in the church. And then you want to grow. You want to grow in your relationship with God. Then you move into service. Then you move into evangelism. Then you move into, you know, developing such faith that lasts your lifetime. Uh, and so kind of looking at, you know, events, planning things in this way may be really helpful. So another thing they do is something called grub. Uh, and it focuses on how people are at different places spiritually. Um, so mm -hmm. you have a milk section, you have a manna section, and you have a meat section. And basically, it's an idea of, all right, you know, I'm going to approach, you know, this group with milk. I'm going to focus on the basics. I'm going to focus on, you know, building the relationships. I'm going to focus on, you know, just the, you know, introductory foundational things before moving into all right you know let's develop this a little bit further and then a little bit further uh so i kind of i just wanted to point both of these out because uh they're kind of they're they're kind of you know interesting ways of of looking at it um yeah and uh looking at different commitments looking at different spiritual uh maturity levels uh, and just try to, you know, approach them where they are. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I'm not as creative as Philip is over there at Mount Juliet uh, with all of the, the fancy names that he comes up with He's or great. even the artwork. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, one of the things I'm seeing there that, that they are, are focusing on and, and one of the things I've been trying to focus on uh, more with our uh, youth group here at Keller is um, making the Bible class that is not just something that the kids go to because the parents are going to their class. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, where a lot of congregations have, um, I don't know, for, for lack of a better phrase, dropped the ball of sorts um, is we have an incredible opportunity in Bible class to, uh, to be opening up the word of God and teaching our teens. And we have kind of let it become this monotonous, yeah, I'm, I'm here so I can say I was in Bible class or I'm here because, you know, we're about to have worship in an hour. So might as well get here early and see my friends. Um, uh, so one of the things that we're, we're going to be doing with um, the high school Bible class starting in uh, the spring quarter that's coming up here really soon is uh, we're going to be offering two different classes to our high schoolers, um, kind of like that uh, milkman of meat classes. Um, but there's going to be one that's the traditional uh bible class that um that they they know you know you you have the the topic you come in our topic for this spring is is why do we do what we do 
um, speaking from, you know, why do we sing acapella? Why do we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday? Um, why are there only men serving up there? Why don't we see any, any women? There's a reason for everything that we do. Um, and some of the things, when you really start to dig into it, you will realize, I guess that is more of a tradition than it is a, a, a commandment um, for, you know, why we have two songs and a prayer and then uh, why we stand for the scripture reading before the sermon. That's one of the unique things we do at Keller is a scripture reading before every single sermon and the entire congregation stands for it. It throws our visitors off every time. Um, it's fantastic because yeah. <laughs> we'll have, we'll have the song before the lesson, everybody stands. And then right after that song, before the preacher comes up to speak is the scripture reading. Um, and the entire congregation stays standing for that scripture reading after yeah. the song. And you look around and you see visitors start to do like the half sit. Oh, no, we're still standing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when you really start to look at the why we do what we do, there are some things that are simply tradition that, you know, we just do that because that's the way we have done things at Keller. Um, would it be wrong to change? No. Um, but there are some things that are commands from God that are, are commanded in scripture, would that be wrong to change? Yes. And, and so knowing why we do what we do is important. Um, but anyways, that's, that's one of the class options. The other class that we'll be having this spring is specifically for our teens to bring their friends. It's what I'm talking about with, uh, they have uh, connections, they have friends that they can bring, but they don't know how to start a Bible study. And so it's uh, going to be a Bible class that we, are doing a group Bible study. Um, and so all of their friends, all of our kids can bring their friends and we're going to be walking through a, uh, a Bible study together. We're going to be going through the gospel of John um, and uh, using a lot of tools that I actually picked up at, at lectureships. And I've picked up various places um, that are just study helps to uh, help somebody who doesn't know Christ, somebody who's not in Christ, the friends of our teens um, realize that there is a God um, that he has a plan for me, that uh, he has a gift for me. What do I need to do to, uh, to receive that? Um, how do I receive that? How do I accept that gift? Um, and uh, just walking through a, a simple Bible study of, of what Christianity is all about. And so um, that's a Bible study that's going to be offered um, at the same time as class, but it's for our kids to say, I want to be studying with my friends, but I don't know what to say. So bring your friend, sit with them, um, and we'll walk through it together. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to back up just, just real quick to kind of just note something, um, yeah. you know, about why we do what we do. I think that's fantastic because what they need, and I guess the way that we can speak and build relationship with them uh, in the best way that we can is transparency and authenticity. You know, if, yeah. if you say, you know, the reason we we meet, you know, twice on Sunday is just tradition, you know, but we come together on Sunday because that's what the Bible teaches us. We are commanded to come together. Yeah. But the way that we have it structured, that's tradition. You know? Right. And it just being that's transparent up, this, about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to the discretion of the eldership. Uh, do, do you want to meet at one o'clock and have an afternoon service? Meet at five o'clock and have an evening yeah. service? I know congregations that do, do uh, either one of those things. Yeah. And then, and then. You know, that sort of transparency is like, all right, we're not yes. trying to pull one on you. We're trying to be, a, you know, a, a place where there's there's truth and we can talk about what we're thinking about. Uh, you know, doubts are a huge thing with teenagers uh, yep. and dealing with doubts and dealing. They're trying to build, you know, who they are as a person. 
and so they need people to be just genuine with them, uh, mm -hmm. authentic. You know, it, it's okay to, you know, kind of let them in to your life a little bit and say, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfect individual and I've made mistakes and, you know, I don't have it. I'm an adult, but I don't have it all figured out, you know? And so you, you know, sometimes we put this, well, I'm the teacher and you're the, you know, you're the young person. Uh, but kind of going to back how we started talking about the family of God, uh, you know, we can, we can just kind of deposit that thought in their mind, you know, that we yep. are, you know, we're learning together, you know, and that's, we want you to be a part, not of just the youth group. We want you to be a part of the church. I had one more resource I wanted to share with folks. Um, okay. uh, it's called the 66 club and it's actually more so for younger kids than teens, but it goes all the way through 12th grade. So I'll just describe it to you and maybe you can post the, the a link to this in the description of the video or something sure. uh, for everybody listening. But um, uh, what it is, is it starts, you become a member of the club if you can say the 66 books of the Bible. And so we have three-year-olds that are members of the 66 club and it goes all the way through 12th grade. And by 12th grade, uh, you're writing a a paper on why baptism is essential for salvation. Uh, in 11th grade, you're telling me what the main theme of all the minor prophets and major prophets are, which it's like, we have adults that can't tell you the main theme of the minor and major prophets, each of those yeah. books. Um, and so it, it walks all the way through with um, memory verses uh, in the elementary ages, uh, you know, the seventh, even learning stuff like the days of creation, I, the I am statements of Christ, the 12 apostles, um, just giving you a grasp of, of biblical knowledge and it moves very quickly into the main scripture, the main theme, the main characters of every single book of the Bible. Um, and so it, it's an incredible tool. Um, it was something that I actually grew up on, uh, but I have taken and, and kind of adapted uh, since I've graduated high school and, and now working with Keller. So I'll send you an email with this, Zach, and, and you can probably share it with folks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, most certainly. Um... Yeah, that's something I'll, I'll definitely look at myself. That that sounds good, but um, I you know I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to do this today, Dylan. I think this has been a, a great conversation for me. But I think that this you know us being able to talk about this uh, is is going to be helpful for uh, the church uh, for those that mm -hmm. listen. And so uh, I'm I'm thankful that we can have these discussions. And it's just you know it's good to catch up with you too. Uh, yeah. That's such a blessing. And uh, we didn't really have time to talk at, at Fried Hardman the, at the lectures, um, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, I'm really thankful we got to sit down today. Yeah, well, well thank you for having me on. Uh, it was a great discussion. I always enjoy talking with you. Um, so <laughs> uh, until next time, uh, just let me know yeah. if you want me to come back. <laughs> All right. Yep. Until next time. And until then, you know, I hope that the work there in Keller continues to, to grow and uh, it's exciting. You've got, you've got more teens and that youth group is growing and, and mm -hmm. uh, I know you're doing a great job there. Uh, they're blessed to have you and, and uh, just keep up the good work. So thank you, brother. And thank y'all for tuning in today, uh, listening uh, or watching the show. Uh, again, want to encourage you to subscribe and, and follow, do those things so that you don't miss another episode of Bearing Up. Uh, have a blessed day today. Thanks again for tuning in.